Welcome to Mind Gap, gang. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And we're here to tell you about the loveliness that is Elephant and Castle. Ooh, <gasps> baby, it's oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Mm. And it's located at 185 North Wabash in Chicago, Illinois. And it is a lovely British pub with some great drinks and some great food. And you should go and check it out. And tell yes. them, first of all, that Doug and Justin from Mind Gap Podcast sent you. Because, you know, we care. You care. Let's all care together. Look, they'll know what that means. You walk in, you give them the you give them the wink, touch your nose, and just say, Doug and Justin from Mind Gap Podcast sent me to this bar, and they'll know what it means. Like, ah, oh, I get it. I yeah. get it. And you know, you might be saying, Doug, why why should I go there? And it's like, well, first of all, they have awesome happy hours every day from three to six for some great drink specials. Mm-hmm. They also have snack and shares, so all their appetizers that are eleven dollars or less are half price. Mm. So you can go get some Great apps, get some great drinks, and they also have daily drink specials. Starting with uh, one and done Mondays, which oh, is we're essentially, oh, we're starting on Monday because that's how they do it because they do it right, and it's a, a a keg of craft brew of beer that's rolled in and it's tapped, and they pour it until it's gone, and each pint is only three dollars. It's a real Love steal of a deal, and <laughs> it's pretty cool. I like, I like that. And uh, essentially, it rotates every week, so it's always something new, and it's only three bucks. So I don't drink, but I know that's a good deal, especially for downtown Chicago. So, you know, get on it. I do drink, and I know that's a good deal, especially for downtown (laughs) Chicago. So whether or not you do or don't drink, it's a good deal. Get on it. So the big thing is also on Tuesdays, you've got uh, Tin Up Tuesdays. Justin, do you know what a tin is? Yeah. I actually do. A tin is uh, what uh, chewing tobacco comes in. Chaw, if you will. Snuff. Ugh, you are correct. And it's also a can of beer. And all oh, cans shit, of beer are 25% off on Tuesdays, which is just such a delight. And then, of course, on the Mighty Mighty Wednesdays, you have Wine Down Wednesdays, where all glasses of wine are a dollar off and bottles are a mere half price, which is a That's real right. deal. And on Mighty Mighty Wednesdays, you can listen to the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones while you drink some it's Mighty possible. Mighty Wine. Exactly. It's very, very possible. Thursdays is Locals Only Thursday, where all local brews, bottles of beer, are $5.50. So come and enjoy a nice local brew for a great price, which is super just special. And of course, if you're if you're one of those folks that really loves a good brunch, you know, in between breakfast and lunch, they've got brunch on the weekends, and they also have $5 Bloody Marys and $5 mimosas, which is what I like something. to call I a real treat. Good, I enjoy a good brunch. And I enjoy a good Bloody Mary. I, go, I enjoy a good mimosa. And when I go there, I'm getting good all of those things. Yes. So come on down to Elephant and Castle at 185 North Wabash. Enjoy yourselves. Tell them Mind Gap sent you. And you will not be disappointed. Truth. All right. So that being said, let's talk a little bit about what you can do for Mind Gap and what we can do for you. So first of all, what That's I'd like right. you to do is, is go to wherever you're listening to this lovely podcast and leave a rating. And also, uh, you know, write a review. Let people know what you think about it. Uh, leave that review so that we can get some good numbers on our side and get some good, valuable, quality feedback. 
Very much so. I think think about it the way I think about it is when I go, uh, if you go to Yelp and you want to see uh, an aggregate of uh, you know all the different reviews, you go. Some are going to be good, some are going to be bad. Uh, but if they're all good, you're like, hey, this place, this place uh, needs my attention. I need to go to this mm-hmm. place. So if you if people come to this podcast and they see the reviews and they're all glowing reviews. They're gonna go. Hey, look! People really like this show. I better t- I give I better give it a listen. Better give it a listen, see and see what I hear. That's right. And what you can also do is share us around. Find us on our social medias. Uh, we're at MindGap Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find our Facebook page. You can also email us. Uh, mindgappodcast at gmail.com but on the social media share us around if you see something you like you have a friend that you know are going to like this or if you have uh, a comment on whatever it is that we're doing or whatever we love to hear from you folks it's always a really fun conversation especially when people are like good morning Julia it's always just a real a real blast and I have a fun story to tell you about that Justin Uh, but anyway fucking fantastic Let's talk about now about episode 176, which was all about thought experiments and paradoxes. So we did a paradox episode uh, a little while ago, talking about all the different things that are paradoxes. We come back again, talking about a lot of different ones, such as the false positive paradox, the drowning child problem, which is one of Justin's favorites. Um, Mm -hmm. Love it. Robert Nozick's experience machine, the Epicurean paradox, the Pinocchio paradox. We talk about a lot of different things and really just try to wrap our minds around, okay, morally, what are we obligated to do? And what will we do in certain situations? How do we think our, our way through this mire of mystery? Ooh. <laughs> Damn. You Damn, got, son. You use your words all pretty. Well, thank you so much. But seriously, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I always love breaking this stuff down. So again, got to put it out there. If you guys have thoughts and feelings about this, please reach out to us because we would love to hear from you. Yeah, and this that is a fun said, episode because... Well, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say this is a fun episode because it makes you... Anytime you get to sit back and do a little bit of critical thinking about what you believe in and what you're what you're like... When someone challenges you to go, yes, but why? It's always uh, It's always interesting to see where you end up with that conversation. Yes, and it's always fun with Justin because not only does he play a great devil's advocate, but he goes down some really silly roads where I'm like, well played. Well played, you son of a bitch. (laughs) So gang, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 176 of Mind Gap Podcast. Mind Gap Podcast. How was your Christmas? It was good, man. It was really good, actually. A um, lot of family. Or should, I, of, should I say your? How was your holiday? Is that a, is that a better way to say it? No, mine was Christmas. I mean, it okay. was a holiday, but mine was Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. How was your holiday Christmas holiday? Uh, it was good. I had a good time. Yeah. I got to test out a new board game with uh, Jill's family. It went extremely well, and I can't wait to play it with you and the other dudes. What? Uh, which one was this? This was called Concept. It's okay. essentially a better version of Charades. Ooh, okay. So, yeah, it's pretty I, pretty I awesome. Got to play one, I got to that? play one, too, where uh, we um, Beth and I are actually considering buying the game uh, oh. and bringing it over to you guys. I cannot remember what it's called, 
but it's oh, a, that's helpful. Uh, it's a version. It, it's as if telephone meets Pictionary. Okay, I'm in. So, so what what you do is you you uh, get a card, and there's six uh, things listed on the card, and someone rolls a dice, and whichever one you get, like if it's let's say it's three, then everyone looks at the third thing on their card, and they're all different, and uh, you write that down on the first page. It's a it's a dry erase flip book. So you write it down on the first page. Okay. Then you flip it, and then you then you draw what that thing is. And then okay. you pass it to your right, and the next person looks at the drawing, flips the p- next page, and tries to, and writes what they think that is. Oh, interesting. And then you pass it to the right, and the next person reads that and then tries to draw it. And, Ooh. And so it just keeps alternating like that till it gets back to the – everyone gets their pad back. And then you huh. go, all right, my word was spatula. And here's we end it, and you go through the the timeline. You and see here's a T Rex. Exactly, you see where wh- who, hmm. who who messed it up big time. That's awesome. It's actually like really it. it's it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, uh, concept works a lot like charades in the way of like you have this board and there's like thirty to forty different little tiles on there. Each one that has a different picture, and each tile represents something. Like you could see. Um, Two like uh, there's obviously a male and a female. Uh, there's like a, a globe with a flag on it. Uh, there's a zero and a one for like yes and no. There's like depictions of what's a real character and what's a, a fictional character, and you use that without speaking to place different icons to, to try and get people to guess whatever it is you're trying to tell them. It can be something e- as easy as a whale, or it could be something as complex as um, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> okay, which. Or, might I say, the first one I did, which was The Avengers, fucking nailed it, uh, and everyone guessed it. So, Because you can get really creative. It's all in how you interpret how to do it. So I put something on that basically said that this was fictional, and I started placing, uh, I put five different cubes on the fictional part, and people started to be like, superhero? I'm I'm like, pointing like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, and they looked, they're like, oh, Avengers. I'm like, yes, done. Yes, it is. I win. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's really cool. So we'll have to play it again sometime soon. I, I feel like we would have a lot of fun with that. Absolutely. Because it's yeah. it's actually at some point, there's like a point system with it, but like a lot of those other games, it, it's kind of just more fun to try and, and guess or have people try and guess it. So it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a it good sounds, old time. It sounds as uh, like the guessing or the trying to lead people to... Like lead lead the horse to water, if you will, sounds very much uh, as arbitrary as that one uh, that one game, the Mysterium. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, or you know, Dix. It's kind of the same way. You have like that really ethereal looking card. It's like anyone can interpret any way that they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of have that. You're trying to you're trying to guide the guide the guess into the right area. Yes, exactly, and that's what I love about it. Is it's collaborative, and it's also there's multiple ways to do it depending on yeah. how you want to see it and. Uh, Jill's niece did a really good job with some of them, but the thing is, it's all on how you essentially build it out because you can do what's called the the main concept. You put a marker that's like, this is the main thing I'm trying to get you to guess. You can tell some things about that, and then you can do a sub-concept with a different icon and be like, all right, cool. So, like, for example, let's say um, I put something down that says it's, it's a recreational activity, like, or a sport. That's the main concept. And I describe that um, whatever that is, is a sphere, and it's white. So based on that information, what would you guess that would be? Football. 
Okay, you're off to a good start. So that's confusing, right? We're not there yet. So I take a sub-concept, and I'm like, all right, this recreational activity uses a tool. There's like a little icon for a tool, and this, this tool is cylindrical, and it's made of wood. I put on a wood icon. And it's like, well, maybe Justin still doesn't understand. So then I take a sub-concept, and I put Swimming. it on the, 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 the globe. And so it's like a place where this activity takes place, and I put red, white, blue, and a star. So that would tell mm. you it's in America. It's a, you, it's a tool that's used as, as cylindrical and, and uses wood, and overall it's a sport or activity that uh, is played with a white ball. It's baseball. Cricket. <laughs> Nailed it. So you can kind of break it down like from there. because. Because otherwise, as you just sort of put stuff everywhere, people get kind of confused. Like uh, Jill's uh, niece um, was trying to do one shopping cart, and it was really hard to try and get what that was. And she was just randomly putting stuff everywhere, and I'm like trying to walk her through it. And I'm like, all right. So I was like like, trying to walk her through it, and she's like, I'm like, can I come over there and peek and try to help you out? And she goes, yes. And I was like, ooh, this is hard. And we were able to do it. I took a different approach to it, but she and I worked on it together. Eventually, people got it. But it was That's like, awesome. it took a long time. It was really, really cool. But really super collaborative. Yes, very collaborative. Like, even yeah. like her nephew was like, man, people always guess mine. I'm like, That's the point. That means you're doing a good job, that people are getting it so quickly that <laughs> people are able to guess it. So he there you go. upset That's that people were getting it. That means it's good. He's like, Yeah, but I, my turns didn't last very long. It means you're doing a good job. Right. So keep up the good work. <laughs> Which is really cool. That's really funny, man. So yeah, let me you ask you a question that, too. I yeah. I thought I saw a picture of you with a glass, uh, a wine glass in your hand. <laughs> I knew this would come up. <laughs> what uh, what what was going on there, Doug? So uh, there was a lot of little kids around Jill's wine glass, ah. so I was holding it to make sure that no one spilled it. Yeah. And then I was just sitting there for the longest time, and Jill's like, "I'm gonna take a picture of you." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> She's like, "There might be questions about that." I'm like, "Yeah, it's just I don't want it to spill." <laughs> I went. Through, I was scrolling through, and I I passed it, and I went. Wait a second. And I went back. Right. Like, Hold on. Okay. That looks. And I started. I like zoomed in. I'm like, I don't see any fizzes, <laughs> so that's not like. It's not. That's not Coke. I thought that's maybe day you were old. drinking. That's day old soda. I thought maybe you were drinking. Uh, you know, you're being fancy as fuck with your uh, with your soda pop. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because I do sometimes get like that. You know, the the fake the fake wine, the, the bubble wine from Welch's. Grape juice. Exactly. You know, but still, it's got some fizziness to it, right? That makes sense. Um, so for today, Justin, yes, I have some very interesting things, and I actually did a prequel with this, or I should say, a, a prelude to this with Jill. And Jill was like, "I can't wait to hear what Justin has to say about these." Game on, so, baby. Game on. She's she's excited. I'm excited. Uh, I think we're gonna have some fun with this. So. Uh, like we did in a previous episode, kind of talking about different paradoxes or paradoxi or how you ever want to say them, and also <laughs> thought experiments is also what they're called. I ran across a list of these on Cracked today, and I, I love was it. like, ooh. As I was reading through, I'm like, mm, I think this is what we're going to be talking about. And uh, <laughs> I grabbed my favorite ones because some of them I thought were dumb or just weren't that interesting. So I got a few of these, and I want to run through them with you and kind of get your idea on how some of these thoughts should be tackled. Some of them are a little more clear cut. Other ones are going to push you a little bit. Okay. So, Guys, I want to I want to extend to all the listeners, uh, get ready for philosophy one-on-one. You're all about to get schooled. And for the record, uh, you all should absolutely weigh in on this as we go along, as we come across our obviously correct conclusions. Let us know how you feel about our 100%. correct conclusions. All right. All right. With uh, a sip of water, here we go. The first one 
is known as the amoeba problem. So, I want you to imagine that your brain is divided in half. Each half is placed in a new body. The operation produces two separate people, but what happens to you? Assume each has your memories. Did you die or did you get divided in two? Huh. Stunned silence. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You're looking up at the ceiling. You're like, huh. So, all right. I'd say this. I would say that the left, the left person got the better of the of the deal (laughs) for me uh wait is that is that the creative side i think so yeah yeah whichever side that has got the better of the two deal the other one short drew the short straw sorry fella um (laughs) uh yeah so they both retain your memories yes okay so they both retain your memories did you create two new individuals or did you just split yourself into two people? Yes. And we're assuming that this operation has gone flawlessly. Yes. Because there are some assumptions brain, we make here. Let me, yeah, let me preface with a lot of these things. There's going to be some, some assumptions that we have to hold as true. And that okay. what we're going to hold here is that you came out perfectly well. Like you, 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 you basically put your brain into two new bodies they each have your memories. So, did you and die? You can, and you can survive on half a brain. Like, like one of... Yes. Like, the right brain didn't, like, lose the word the. Correct. Right, okay. They're two fully functional people that have your memories. Okay. Uh, I would say... <clears throat> I would say if that's the case... I I initially and I could hear I'll hear arguments on this, but uh, I initially would say that I've split myself into two people because if both retain the same exact memories, I would say one person is now split into two. Now the argument okay. I'm already gonna I'm already gonna play devil's advocate with myself is that <laughs> is that without both sides of the brain working together, decisions that I normally as a singular person would have made. Now that I'm a doubled person, those decisions may not be in line with what the singularity of me would have done. Sure. But I think the question here is, did you die or were you divided in two? Well, this goes back, I mean, really at its core, this goes back to what is a soul or what makes a per like, you know, or what is a person? Like, because we talked about like, is it the concept of a soul? Is it the concept Mm -hmm. of a... Like, at what point does a person cease to be? Like, when, when, sure. we, when you're transmitting your memories and stuff into AI, we had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It's also kind of uh, the... Was it the uh, the Greek ship? Exactly. You know, once you sand off all the wood and replace everything, does the... Is it still the same boat, or is it changed into something else? But the right. question still stands, Justin, did you die? Or were you divided in two? Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the same... The same, I believe this is the stance that I took when we talked about AI. I don't think it's you. So I would say then, yes, technically I died. And uh, I would say it's the same concept as when you upload your memories into uh, into some sort of an AI. So do you think each of those, you know, people, they had the memories, they went to sleep knowing what was going to happen. They woke up and they're like, cool, what happened to me? And the other person goes, no, what happened to me? And they both look at you. They're like, wait, I'm Justin. They're like, no, I'm Justin. 
and they're staring. They're each staring at each other, thinking, "Wait, no, 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 no!" Like I'm, I, I just went to sleep and I woke up and I'm fine. I'm just in a new body. And the other person's like, "Yeah, me too." And you probably strangle each other at that point in time. Would be my guess. Or, you devils out, you advocate each other to death. Or we'd start dating. <laughs> I'd like to think I would date myself. I yeah, I think you could. I think I could. So I would say if that's the case, uh, I mean, well, I would be I would be smart and logical enough to to go. Oh, the operation was successful. If if I'm having this debate with myself. Hmm. Um. No, I mean because it's not uh, you're you're in a different body as well. So I would say I I think the body makes up the body uh, plays a a role in who you are as a as a being as a person, and so it's it's an element of it. Uh, and so if if uh, you know if if uh, if split into two different by half of my brain was split into two different bodies, I would say Justin as we know him is gone. Just as you know him is gone, even though you retain your memories? Yes. I would so say the, the, essence, the essence of what is is me is is contained within this. And then if, if it's if it goes into something else, then it's uh as as you know it, it's some it's it's a different uh I don't know, it's a different thing, I guess. It's weird to mm-hmm. not quite sure what kind of pronouns to use or what you know what I mean, but Yeah. Yeah. I would argue definitely the moment that your brain is divided in those two people coexist that that from that moment on they're definitely not the same beings because those two people will then experience new things on their own and right. become their own just like how you know the idea of copying yourself or cloning yourself right the second that those two entities are separate they no longer maintain like they'll never be like they'll become two separate things they'll exactly. they'll, they'll start at the same point but then they'll verge as they experience different things at different times. Right. Because I mean, for me, like you, you are, you are you, like whatever your, whatever your spirit, whatever your, whatever makes you as an entity, like if that gets separated into two different things, then those are two different things. But when you argue that those two separate things feel like they are the same thing? I mean, they can feel however they want to feel. They're not. <laughs> would you say that to your face? I, to your I would other, say other that to face? my. I would say that to my identical face. <laughs> Be like you're nothing. You're you're dead to me. I would. Well, here's the thing. I would hope that they would go. Oh, the the all father Justin. They <laughs> they would father. see me as the, nice. the the predecessor or the precursor I of their it. existence. You are their god. Exactly. You are their mother and their father, the alpha and the omega. That's right. The beginning and the end. The Strand Lund. <laughs> where do you like stay, where do where do you fall on this? Do you, do you um, it's tough because uh, you know it's again without trying to let other factors sort of sink into this. Um, the thing that's tough is that assuming each has your memories, I'm in that moment that would be very strange to be like, I, I did I divide? You know, because now I'm in two separate bodies. Function, right. fully functional, able to have my memories, able to have my same personality, you know what I mean, from that moment moving forward. I just you know, don't... like 35-year-old Doug is now in two bodies right. with I... all the memories, all the... I mean, that improv duo would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we would be able to know exactly where we were going with everything. The podcast would probably be really boring, that but be... <laughs> the improv would be incredible. <laughs> That'd be very That'd true. That would be pretty amazing, right? We would know each other, what we were thinking inside and out. Um, but... Um, but I would argue that even memories in and of themselves don't make 
just 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 memories don't make the make the person. True, but I'm thinking what it would be like to to take if I were one of those beings. Mm-hmm. That would be my reality. You sure. know what I mean? Absolutely. So I would be like, yes, I am. I am Doug, and the other person would be like, yes, I am Doug also because I have the, his memories. So in that sense, I'm still alive to some degree. I'm not dead. Right. Yeah, but the scientist because who performed the experiment would go, "You're both wrong. Uh, the experiment was a success, and you're now split." And it would he would explain it, and then the both mm-hmm. of you would go, "Oh, okay." And be like, "Cool, I'm not dead." I would go prove it. <laughs> Doc, prove it. Because you know what they say: no one is truly dead as long as their memory lives on. Justin, you know what they also say: no one is truly dead as long as they're still alive. <laughs> That's very true. You know what they also say: I, yeah, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Who says that? The race car driver? Yeah, the race car driver. Yeah. All right, so that's that's kind of the that's a good warm up. I like that one. For yeah, where we're was, about to yeah. head. I like it. It's a fun one. All right, the next one's going to do a little bit of math here, so I need you to hang in there. All right, buddy. I'm out, guys. This has been Mind Gap. You can find me online at Justin <laughs> underscore Michael spelled M I K E. I love how you kind of stumbled on that a little bit. Yep. You're like, wait, what is my thing? <laughs> so if you don't uh, lead me called, into it, it's so hard to get there. <laughs> so this one's called the false positive paradox. Ooh. All right. I want you to imagine. That sounds like my prom night. (laughs) There you go. Imagine having a device that can identify criminals with an accuracy of 99%. How you feeling about that so far? 1% bugging me. Right? Your job is to identify 10 criminals and 20 million people. Doing the math, you would falsely claim 1% of the population, which is about 200,000 people, to be criminals, when in fact only 10 of them are the real ones. This leaves you with 99.995% error, even if your device is highly accurate. So the paradox here is that you have something that's 99% accurate, but when you you shrink your sample size small enough, your error rate is higher than your accuracy rate. Oh, my head hurts. Let that sink in, motherfucker. Which which Justin got the right side and which got the left side again? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh okay so what's the do is is the question then do you use this this utility no it's it's a paradox because you're saying your accuracy is 99 percent, but if you get your if you get your target low enough your error rate is higher than your accuracy rate so basically then uh you just have to operate under the assumption that everyone is guilty <laughs> Well, that sounds good on the surface, right? This is 99% accurate. Like, great. Right. But this if you're looking for 10 people in 20 million, your device is still going to falsely accuse, you know, 199,990 people. That's going to be falsely. Those are going to come up as false positives. So basically it's saying if you take if you take 300 million people and is it it's saying in the U.S. or the world? It's saying... It's saying your job is to identify 10 criminals and 20 million people. So out of 20 million people... Oh, right. That's Sorry, that's how we, I, we did say that. So out of 20 million people, you need to identify 10 criminals. Yes. And your device is 99% accurate, which you're like, that sounds pretty good. But, it's, but, but you will... So out of those 20 million, over 100,000 are going to be falsely accused. Almost 200,000 are going to be falsely accused. Almost 200,000 are going to be falsely accused. But... 
in those 200,000, will I have gotten the 10? Yes. Well, great. <laughs> and then I'm going to leave it. Nailed Here's the it. thing. I'm going to trust our justice system, Doug. Oh, sort Jesus it, Christ. To sort it out. <laughs> oh, no. I almost got away with saying that with a straight face. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because um, that then gets into some more moral stuff of, is it worth it to get those 10 criminals knowing that you're going to falsely accuse 199,990 people? Yeah, yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, what did what did the ten criminals do? Like, See, if it gets was, even more interesting, right? Because that shouldn't matter on a moral moral obligation standard. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like jaywalking is a crime. But sure, you know, like, am I going after him? Am I going to accuse falsely accuse almost two hundred thousand people because one dude jaywalked? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. No. But what's the moral obligation here? Is it worth it to sacrifice almost two hundred thousand people to get ten for jaywalking? <laughs> For any crime. Well, well no, there's different Not levels of crime, Doug. Again, let's say there's ten, they're 10 murderers. Let's say they're 10 murderers. Who'd they murder? <laughs> that also shouldn't matter. <laughs> I love it. Jill I was mean, right. Well, here's what I'm saying. If they if they murdered murderers, then aren't they kind of helping? Maybe they're... Is, at that point, All right, are they That goes down a completely different road. The road there is then is uh, the taking of human life morally um, justifiable. I mean, they're at that point. Are they vigilantes? Are they just the Avengers? <laughs> they're not the Revengers. I can tell you that much. <laughs> they're not the. Speaking Revengers. of, speaking of, side note: uh, for Christmas, we watched nothing but superhero movies. Nice. And Natalie got to watch the Avengers for the first time. Ooh, what'd you think? She definitely gets scared when the Hulk shows up. Does she? But it's funny because at the same time she goes, "I want to see Hulk," and then he shows up, and she's like, Ooh. "I'm like, you asked for him, and now he's here." <laughs> Well, that was pretty cool. I we got love to see, it. She got to see that, and I was like, "Well, we're watching it." And she was, she was into it, man. She was enjoying it. It's definitely a little bit scarier. I'm like, "Man, wait till we watch Infinity War. You're really gonna get scared then." <laughs> right. Wait till half the universe dies. Right. All right. Um, all right. So, no, I would say if you're gonna falsely accuse that many people, it's not, it's not right to use that thing. I'd say mm-hmm. go go back go through the tried and true method uh, of just doing good old detective work. Hire Batman, yeah. and do some detective work. But that's interesting, isn't it? Like you have something that's very accurate, but once your size goes down small enough, it becomes incredibly inaccurate. Yeah, based on what you're looking for. Yeah. So wait. So what they're saying then? If you if you shrink it down to if you if you don't do twenty million, if you do a smaller sample size of like a hundred people. Oh, I no, I mean. If you were to say bump it up to, I don't know, a million people, that would be inaccurate. You know, say you were looking for, to identify a million criminals and 20 million people, you're going to capture all those people. I wait, now I'm understanding. So, uh, yes. out of the out of the out of the point or out of the 1%, that compared to the 10 is a error rate of nine, a guy, okay, now I'm understanding what you're yes. saying. Yeah, now I get it. Yes. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, no, that's wrong. Yeah, no, it's don't crazy. Do that. Again, this is why math is stupid, <laughs> and that's all I right? have to say on that. I, I'm sure Vellucci would agree. Um, yep. The, the next one is one I know you're really going to get behind. This one has Justin Strandler written all over it. It's called the Drowning Child Problem. Here we go. Um, <laughs> all right, Justin. Here you go. A child is drowning in front of you. The end. Justin wins. Um, you can easily <laughs> save them. But it would ruin your shoes, which are worth $50. Do you jump in? Wait, is that really the thing? Mm-hmm. That can't be the thing. Yep. 
All right. A child is drowning in front of you. You can easily save them, but it would ruin your shoes, which are worth $50. Do you jump in? It's gonna tell a lot about Justin here, real quick. I'm, I feel like there, I feel like there's a catch I'm not understanding. But, well, he, let me ask you this: like, do you want to know what race they are, Justin? Does that help you decide? No, I was gonna go more so like, what's the brand name of the shoe I've got? Like, is it a good or what's is it suede? Is it a suede shoe? It's fifty dollars. Right, but is it's it a fifty dollars worth of shoe? I don't know what, what what shoes do you want to be wearing? Can you? Well, I don't want to be wearing suede if I'm jumping into water. Okay. Um, absolutely, you jump in and save the child. What do you, I don't understand how this is a paradox. It's called a problem, first of all, not a paradox. But here's the second part. Now, <laughs> Oh, you son of a say, bitch, there is a catch. Let's say a child is dying in another country and a $50 donation can save them. Will you still do it? Interesting. <laughs> so I have some questions. Mm-hmm. I know you would. I have some questions. How, first and foremost, what is the organization that is giving my fifty dollars, using the fifty dollars to save this child? Okay, let's let's take you through some more hypotheticals. And right. also, wait. And also, when you say save the child, is this is this making them set for like a day, or is this making them set for like a, a year, two years life? What's how, how what when we say helping, what are we helping? Also, it saves, furthermore, it saves their life. It saves their life. Yes. You do it? I mean, why was that why was that so much different to you than the first? The first one seems like a no-brainer, right? Right, the first one seems like a no-brainer. I think the second one is 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 different because and immediately I go to <clears throat> there's an entire country of children that needs like if there's one child over like my head goes to the the okay, well now we're in a starving, you know, a uh, 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 like a, a village in Africa or something like that. Where mm-hmm. there's where there's multiple, and I'm like, well, because again, the first one is it, uh, the 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 question sits on the fact that you're you're you personally are going in and saving a child. The mm-hmm. second one, my brain makes the assumption that there's far too many for me to save. True, but your fifty dollars still saves them. Right, one. Yes, which it should not be. So yeah, I mean that's it's a, it it really does it makes you. It, it completely puts a different spin on how you approach the question, and I don't know why. Yeah, it's interesting because it's geographical, generally speaking. Oh, that's a good point, so, too. In front of well, you let's, versus- let's Let's run through a couple more hypotheticals. For the record, when I was looking this stuff up, I ran across this amazing like philosophy thought experiment website that took me through this entire problem, and it blew my mind. And then I really? went through other problems. There was a whole new take on the trolley. Uh Problem, okay, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way this talks about is, it asks you, okay, you know, you're you're jogging through a park. You're actually you're on your way to work. A child is is drowning in the reservoir. Do you save them? Yes or no? Yes. Great. Cool. We all agree that's right. And then it goes, okay. Well, what if same scenario, but there's there's also other people walking by. Do you still save the child? What's your answer? Yeah. Good, right? Because you just don't make the assumption that someone else might take care of it. No, yeah. You still want to make sure that you're the one that does it. That one, that one right. to me is a much more, a much more direct, a much more direct response. Uh, because that's also the same assumption. People go, well, you know, someone else will make a fifty dollar donation and save right. this child's life, right? Right. Like uh, someone else, will, but you can't be sure though. That's the right. that's the kind of thing. 
And the next one is, um, uh, well, you also read that uh, statistically, ages, you know, children ages one to fourteen, they uh, the, one of the top ways that they die is drowning. So, do you still let them drown, or do you save them? Wait, st- wait, say that again. So you understand that uh, drowning is one of the leading causes of death for children ages 1 to 14. And this is a child that's in that age range. Do you still jump in and save him? Yes. Right. Because you want to be like, sorry, you're just a statistic. You know, and just keep walking, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Ab- yeah. I'm wait- Again, I'm waiting for the other half of this because I feel like there's another like a gotcha thing. Because each one of these could usually comes with one of the rebuttals for why right, people right. don't want to give $50. It's because, well, statistically speaking, you know, this is the amount of people that die in the world every day. So, you know, was my $50 really going to help them or, or whatever? Or someone else is sure enough going to submit $50 and yeah. save this child, but you don't know. What if you ride your bike through this area, but you know this is a known area for bike thieves, and you see the child drowning, and you're like, Ugh, well, if I get off my bike, there's a good chance it's going to get stolen because I don't have a lock for it. Do you still save the child's life? I would ask, where the fuck are the cops? First off, like, mm. like they need to implement that 99% thing and catch some of these bike thieves. Yeah, well, they rule the roost here. I'm just saying, man, like, this is a, I mean, we've got, a, we've got an epidemic of bike thieves in this in this uh, forest preserve. Mm-hmm. What's going on with this? Um, no, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, fucking, of course, you jump off a bike and give the bike up and go save the kid, yes. And that's the, uh, you know, the, the idea that, well, you know, if I give it to an organization that might be corrupt, you know, they may misspend the money, but the moral obligation still stands, right? That you should try to save the child. Yeah. It, yes. I disagree with that. I feel like that is a weak example. Like whoever wrote that, I feel like all the other ones I, I, I get, but that one is a, to me, that's a weak example. Because again, I think the big distinction for me in the, fir- in the very first example was the fact that I... I know I am able to save the child. I know I am like, yes, I can physically see I'm grabbing the child, pulling them to safety. Mm-hmm. I know my I know I've had an impact on the situation. If I'm sending fifty bucks off, again, this is this is an, another point where my just my own um uh j- I'm just jaded in the fact that I'm like, well, mm-hmm. how do I know this giant corporation where how do I know where this is going? You know, how mm-hmm. do I know you're actually going to do this? Or am I just sending 50 bucks off to, you know, line the, you know, to take someone out for a, a nice, you know, shellfish dinner? Sure. And, and, and the point here, which I took Jill through this one and we had a nice round, round about it, is if the moral obligation stands true that in the first scenario you should save the child, then it should still stand true even if you have to send a $50 to a different area in order to save a child. The moral obligation still stands. It doesn't mean that there's not resistance but the moral obligation still stands that if you can send $50 to save a child's life then you should do it right okay yeah I agree with that absolutely yeah yeah and and the last one was um, let's say that last week you were going through the reservoir and you saw a child drowning and you saved them and this week you go through another child's drowning do you still save them even though you saved a child last week yes (laughs) and that's the thing is like well I gave 50 bucks Last year, or last month, right. to someone, so I'm good. Right. Well, and it's this like, goes, well, this, you should give fifty again. This goes back to what I always talk about when we're walking down the street and there's panhandlers. Because yes, when we first moved to Chicago, and we've talked about this in the podcast before. When I first moved to Chicago, <clears throat> I would I would feel bad and I would try to give at every single person. And then after a while, I realized like, holy shit! After I'm given, if you give it like there's. You say no to the first one, and then there's someone at the next block, and you give them something, and then mm-hmm. there's someone at the next block, 
and then the next block and the next block and the next block. And it's just, this, it's never ending. And eventually at some point, then you become that person on the street. You know what I mean? Because you've just given yeah. everything away, which again, that's a very um, selfless, uh, you know, you, you talk about, let's just, you know, give it all away. It's a very selfless act, but you also, I think you have to take care. It, there's another element of, uh, you know, putting your, um, putting your respirator on first before you put your, you know, in the, in the plane scenario, you put your oxygen mask on first before you put your kids, you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of someone else. So there's this, this constant like cyclical argument, I think that, that gets made of like, how many do you help before you yourself are in need of help? And then someone sure. helps you and then they're in need of help. But it, it, at what point do you, at what point is, have you met your moral obligation and then you're obli- you're obligated to do no yeah. more? Well, these, these scenarios also posit the fact that whatever you're doing will, in fact, save a life. If you give right. five bucks to a guy on the street, you have no idea if that's actually going to save their life. Absolutely. So that's 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 always the caveat with this. I told you there were going to be some assumptions here. The sure. assumption that is, in this situation, a child is dying in another country, and if you donate $50, it will save their life. Therefore, you should be morally obligated. But a lot of people feel like because of geography, nationalism, their love of their country that they're like, nah, that life is not the equivalent to someone that I see right here in front of me. Right, right, right. And that's, that's Which the is thing. very like, interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you could, if, if there was some, like, again, operating under this assumption of like, it's, you are 100% going to save the life, uh, you know, and, and whatever organization you're giving it to, it's going, it's being allocated correctly. And there's no, you know, you don't have to worry and be cynical or anything like that. Then, Absolutely. I would say, you know, like 50 bucks a month or something like that. I, I think mm-hmm. you can swing that. You know, some people can swing 50 bucks a week. Some people can be sure. It all depends on what your means are, obviously. But I think, you know, I would be totally down for that, you know, because you, how much do you spend on whatever, you know, on liquor, yeah. on food, eating out on whatever, like, you know, doing, putting it towards that in, in lieu of something else that you're doing. I'm 100% on board with that. What I get caught up in, in, a, in the real world is the fact that, you know, there's, I mean, rarely do you come across a corporation that has not had something, you know, misallocation of funds or something like that. There's always something getting caught up. And so you've just sure. got to hedge your, I, it, it, it's unfortunate, but that's just the world you live in. Yeah. Well, let's, let's complicate things a little bit more. We're going to do Why a slightly not? different example. All right. So Why not? obviously life is valuable. You want to save as many lives as possible. So. I would also say, real, real quick, I would also say that, that we need to get lifeguards at this reservoir because there's a lot of kids falling in. <laughs> that is just, you kids, kids don't go to the reservoir, all right? Stay away. That's death Stay safe. away, guys. Um, so you are an amazing surgeon. You're welcome. You are so amazing that you have a 100% success rate when doing organ transplants. Every okay. single one of the folks that you have done transplants Oops. for, for organs, has successfully taken. People have recovered, and they've gone to live great lives. Okay. So that's the assumption we're making here. Got it. Sounds you right. Have four, you, have, <laughs> you have four patients. All of them are dying for various reasons for different organ failures. So one's a heart, one's a liver, one's a lung, one's a kidney. They need transplants to survive. They have about a week to live. And they all have a very rare blood disease or blood type. So they just can't get anything. Well, while you're doing your rounds, you notice that there's a backpacker that just happens to come in. He just wants to come in for a quick checkup as he about he, he, before he heads out on his backpacking journey. And as you uh, check him out, you realize he's super healthy and 
he has the rare blood type that these other four people need. And you tell him about your other four patients and you say, hey, look, um, if you were willing to give up your organs, these four people will live and uh, it'll be successful. And uh, otherwise they're going to die in a week. And the backpacker says, no, you can't have my organs. Do you kill the backpacker? Are you asking, do I kill him for my own personal satisfaction? You do kill him and then harvest his organs for the other four people to live. I mean, I kill him and then harvest the organs and sell them on the black market for a sweet profit, bro. You come back to those four people and be like, hey, look, I got your organs, but it's going to cost you. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. (laughs) This is, it's going to be 50 bucks. And you... (laughs) 50 bucks and I'll save your life. I'll save your life. Um, no, Plus so this, the, the standard $3,000 rate. Uh, I mean, naturally, it goes without saying. Yes. Um, no, and I'll tell you why. is because that individual has the right to decide what he does or does not do with his organs. I have made the case and said, hey, you can help save four people. It is not my duty to take one life to save four. If he wants to give it up, I will make it happen. I've made the pitch to him and now it's on him it's his moral obligation to figure out whether or not he does it. Interesting. So consent is a pretty big part of this. I would, I, for me, it would. Yeah, I, it's it's again, especially as a doctor, it's not my it's not my job to take a life to save a life. Interesting. Jill kind of went down the similar route. Um, now let me ask you this: If I was the what backpacker if, again, here's here's a big assumption here. You find out that this backpacker actually had something to do with all these four of your patients' organs failing. He put something in them. He poisoned them. Sorry. And for whatever reason, okay. their organs are failing. It sounds like you, the plot of a bad Hallmark movie. Exactly. It's a Lifetime movie. Sure. And he confesses to you and says, no, I'm not going to give my organs. They deserve to die. I did this. And he takes great satisfaction in that. Do you kill the backpacker? To take his organs and save the people. <clears throat> no, and I'll tell you why. Please. Because if I've learned anything from cinema, is that the minute that I kill the bad ghosts and put their his organs in these people, now I've just created four more serial killers. That's exactly how that works. It's very I have the liver of a serial killer. It has it has a very it follows feel to it. Nice. Um <laughs> this is how he was patient zero and then it spreads from there, Doug. This is how this works. This is how zombies happen. This is how zombies happen. Um, no, you know, I think I, uh, I say no. I don't kill him because, again, it's not my job to do to play judge, jury, and executioner. Um, but isn't life sacred? You could save four lives. Yes, but by killing one. But I. So what I do is I let them know, and all four of them gang up on him and kill him, <laughs> and then I harvest his organs and save them. But you still killed someone because you let it happen. I now I was I was getting a ham sandwich down at the cafeteria. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure you were. And you or egg them. salad, either one. Oh well, now that you got egg salad, I know you're fucking guilty because only guilty people eat egg salad. That's true. That's true. If I've learned anything from cinema, it's that only guilty people <laughs> eat egg salad. Because that's really not diff- too much different from the trolley dilemma too, which is you have a train going down a track, and the track it's going down, you notice that there's five workers on there you can either allow the train to continue and kill those five workers or you can switch tracks and kill one other person who's tied to the tracks so either you consciously choose to kill one person to save five or you let the train continue on and it will kill those five people 
So it's a similar right. situation, right? It, 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 I would say it's a similar situation, but it's definitely not the same. It, like it's, it's similar in the sense of it's the many verse one. Uh, mm-hmm. it, like in, in that aspect or that element of it, it's similar. But I say that the, um, I'm trying to think how, how to best, it, it's different. <laughs> and that's all I have to say on that. Well, it's tough because um, it throws in the idea of because this is because actually I was taking these quizzes and I was like not doing well because I was like, well, this situation is different. It's like mm, technically from a moral standpoint, that's the same. So if you value if you if you go this one decision, then you need to be consistent and do this other one. I was like, fuck. So I kept falling into the same traps because it also makes it crazy. Is what if? Um, yeah. What if? Same trolley situation. The one person is someone you know and love. Right. Do you choose to kill them to save the five? What if it's you? What if it's your other you from the amoeba problem? <laughs> well, then. Do you do it? Absolutely, because I've got another one hanging out. Because there can there can be only one Highlander right. rules. It's so, a Highlander yeah. rules, and I just won. I just won Highlander. Yep. Um. Uh. <clears throat> Yeah, I, just fun uh, stuff again, to chew I'd, on. I'd have to, it's something to chew on. I I wanna I'd have to I have to I have to mull this over because I know there's an argument to be made about why the why the situations are different. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the I don't have the cognitive ability right now to actually make that argument. <laughs> well, I, I pose this to the listeners: if if you were the surgeon and take both scenarios, either one where the backpackers just normal dude just decides no, I don't want to give you this. Doesn't consent. Do you kill them? Or if you found out that he's the reason why these people's organs are failing and he's satisfied in it, do you kill him and take his organs and, and give them to everyone else? What are your thoughts? Let us know. Right. We'd love to hear from you on what you think about that. Hag, I know you got an- I know you got answers to this, buddy, so let us know. Hey, Hobbs, I know, I'm looking kills at you, the buddy. Backpacker instantaneously. Oh Hag hates backpackers. He's right, just you know. Yeah. He just assumes that they're they're trespassing all the time. And exactly. not on his lawn, not in his backyard. No. You got a backpack, you're trespassing. <laughs> what are you stealing there, hippie? Get off my lawn. I got a relatively quick one here next, which is uh, paradox of value. So let me ask you a question, Justin. Which is more valuable, a diamond or water? Hmm. Well, a diamond can buy you water. Also, a diamond is known as in some circles is ice and ice melts to water so is a diamond is a diamond water that's another question the diamond is obviously much more expensive but water is a basic necessity so which has more value no for sure uh water (laughs) duh well i don't even know because like you said a diamond has more money value attached to it i don't think i said that i think you said that I'm pretty sure you just said that. You're like, well, you know, diamond can buy you water. <laughs> yeah, but water could buy you water, technically. Water could buy you water. Water could buy you a diamond if you if you have a diamond <laughs> uh, a diamond merchant who is dying of thirst and you offer them yeah. water, they may give you a diamond in return. So technically, exactly, you can buy right? either. Exactly. Paradox uh, of value. They're both one's more expensive, but the other's a necessity. So exactly, which one has yeah. more value? So it depends on the circumstances, right? What What's more valuable, a diamond or or uh, or, or or life? I would argue it probably depends on the situation. <laughs> I think diamonds are a bunch of bullshit. So. Yeah, that's fair too. 
you know. Uh, yeah, right. I would say uh, I would say water in my in my uh, in my own personal opinion. All right, I got a couple more here. I want to make sure that I get to. So that one was just a fire them off palate cleanser. The next one is Robert Nozick's Experience Machine. Would you like to buy a ticket to the Experience Machine? Yeah. How much does it cost, though? Is it a diamond? It's water. Okay. So imagine if there's a machine that once plugged into your brain will allow you to experience anything you desired, and you will never find out that the experiences are artificial. Would it be right for you to plug in? This is essentially total recall. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, would it be right for me to plug in? Um, I guess to me, that's not a question of right or wrong. Like, it's just a, do you, do you want to, well, again, if, if uh, perception becomes reality, like, you know, if your perception mm-hmm. is that you've done the thing, is that not just your reality? But you're choosing to do something that you know will be f- artificial but once you get there, you won't realize that it is. Right. Well, if you're making the choice, then I don't think, again, I don't think this is a right or wrong morality thing. I think this is just a, do you want to be a bitch or not? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's just, it's an interesting thing because you're choosing to do something that's not real. And once you get there, you won't know whether it's or not it's real. So by choosing to do something that's fake, is that is that right or wrong? Right again, to, to me, to, to to me personally, it's not. I don't think it is a right or wrong answer. I think it's a preference. Like it's a preferential uh, question. Mm-hmm. Like, is your preference to actually go out and experience it, or is your preference to you know artificially experience it and think that you actually experienced it? So I don't think there's mm-hmm. a right. To me, it's not a right or wrong. To me, it's just a. What do you you know again? What do you? Are, What's more valuable, the the concept of it or actually going out and physically having it for yourself and, and seeking out the whole top to bottom uh, experience? Well, I would. Well, I'm also assuming that in this experience machine, there's some experiences that you may not be able to experience in real life, like being wealthy, being super smart, something like that. So this yeah, gives you, you anything just... you desire, anything you desire. So okay, so the experience machine does allow you to have the experience of being wealthy mm-hmm. you're saying okay mm-hmm. uh correct i mean again i don't i don't think it's a right or wrong it's like great if you want to experience that and then go back to being poor great <laughs> well but the i i guess the the thing is that you i mean i'm the same way i'm not i'm not knocking anything but i just i think the the true crux of this is is it is it wrong to essentially or is it right for you to plug into something knowing full well that it will be false but also understanding that once you get there you won't be able to tell the difference between real and 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 fake and i also my question is does this become your everything forever moving forward or is it just like a one-time thing like you do it for like, cool, you pay, you know, a hundred bucks and you can go and be in there for an hour, but it's going to feel like something else, you know, like Inception or some shit like that. You know, you go into some right. sort of dream state or is this like permanent? Right. Well, that's true. Does, yeah, that, like, does, that, does that shape anything if it's permanent? Absolutely. Because, I mean, again, I still don't know if it's a right or wrong thing because it's someone's, it's someone's, you know, someone's exercising free will and making the choice of whether or not they sure. want to live in this, in this, uh, basically whether or not they want to live in the matrix or not. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or what they want to have real experiences. Um, 
You know, I, I, for me, it would be a, it would be a hard pass and I would just want to go out and experience, you know, what I actually experience in real life. Um, but I don't think, you know, if someone wants to make the decision to do that, I guess it's, I mean, it's their call. It's their decision, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I think that to me, that, that goes back more to free will of like, mm -hmm. if someone's forcing me to do it, I think that's wrong. Sure. Like if someone's like, you know, hey, like if someone's continually like tricking you, like, hey, you had this experience and you're like, I did. That's to me, that's morally that's wrong because you're even though the person believes they're having it, you know that they have not. And so you are you are purposely falsifying someone's memories. Well, that and I think it's really it boils down to the fact of, you know, I think you kind of hit it earlier, which was, are you OK Again, assuming this is like a one time, it's like you experience it and then you're done. You don't live in it forever. Right. But knowing full well that you're going to plug in, you're going to experience something, you're not going to realize it's artificial and you're going to come back not realizing that it was artificial. You're going to think that it was right. real. Right. That to me is strange. And I feel like that would screw up your mind really bad. If you're like going and experiencing something that is, that isn't, like you said, like you go and you're like super wealthy and you come back and you're poor and you're like, but I was just wealthy. It's like, no, you weren't. Right, you were in this machine. Like what machine? Like they don't have any. Like they experience they had they had this amazing experience or whatever it was, and but it wasn't right. really real. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, because I feel right. like I was. I, I feel like being around that person would be obnoxious. Because like, dude, I totally did this. No, you didn't. I was there. No, you did you plugged not. into a goddamn machine. Like, no, -uh, I totally did that. You're like, machine. no, you didn't. <laughs> machine. You're like, bro, you're obsessed with this this concept of this machine. I actually dated Mila Kunis. No, you did not. You're like, dude, I rage against the machine. Okay. <laughs> Kill him in the name of. You know do what you I'm remember, saying? Do you remember when I was the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine? <laughs> no, you were not. Man, why did we break up? We had it going so well. <laughs> On a couple of Matrix movies. What a quinky dink. Right. Reality versus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one here. Nothing makes noise. Uh, a falling seed of grass makes no noise, yet a thousand grains falling will make a sound. How can a multitude of nothings create something? Uh, a single seed of grass does make a sound. It's just imperceivable mm -hmm. to the human ear. So I would say... Imperceivable! <laughs> imperceivable! Uh, I would say that is a flawed question next. No, but it's interesting, though, if you think about that on yes. the granular level. Um, you know, just the idea that one thing falls, you don't hear it, but then a thousand of them fall. You're like, oh, that made a sound. How is it that, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, a thousand no. of them made a noise, you yeah. know? But anyway, that yeah, was a no, I, 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 I like I, the, the philosophical side of that question. I do. I, I like a lot. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, you can't perceive it. Now you can shut the fuck up. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, uh, the, the, uh, it's it's in the same vein of the uh, the tree falls in the wood, but there's no one around. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make a sound. It's in the yeah. same vein of that philosophical question, which I always I always found that question to be specifically that question to be fascinating because I'm like, yeah. well, yes, it does. And then someone challenged it and was like, great, but logically, how do you know? And I'm like, well, fuck. I, don't, yeah. I mean, I know because it makes, but like, if no one's there to experience it, then is the experience had? And it's a I just find Did that it you, the the way yeah. that people can go down arguing that to me is fascinating. I know that's a that's a fun mental twister for yeah. me too. This one's kind of one like that as well. It's called the Epicurean paradox, and this I deals feel like with I've God. Heard of this. Oh yeah, I th I might have. 
You say things. Your confidence dropped significantly within a matter of seconds. I think I've heard of this. Maybe. All right. So this deals with God. This. You did? I've never heard of it. <laughs> All right. This deals with God. So here's four possibilities. All right. Number one, God uh, wishes to take away evils and is unable to do so. Mm. Number two, he is able to do so and he is unwilling. Number three, he is neither willing nor able to do so. Or number four, he is both willing and able. So, to recap, God either wishes to take away evils and is unable to do so. Mm-hmm. He is able to take away the evils, but he's unwilling. He is neither willing nor able to take away the evils. Or, he is both willing and able to take away the evils, but he chooses not to. And so we have to decide which one it is. So that's the paradox. So it's like, why do evils happen? Because oh, does that mean that God right. wishes to take them away, but he's unable to? Which means how much power does God have in the universe? Right. He is able, he's unwilling, which means he's a dick. Um, he's neither willing nor able to, so he doesn't have the power. Um, or the desire. He's, he's, yeah, exactly. Or he's both willing and able, yet he allows them to continue. Right. I Well, I mean, willing... I think willing goes, I think the question, the way it's phrased is a little confusing because to me, willing, if he's, if he's willing and able, but he chooses not to, willing and choosing not to go, I feel like against each other. Well, 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 let me ask you this. So if he's both willing and able, but evil still exists, but he can still, he, he is willing to take them away and he's able to take them away, but he doesn't. Then what does that say about him? Right. Well, I would. So then, if so, a religious person would probably argue that how much more evil would be happening? God chooses to take some of it away, but some of it we are forced to deal with, uh, basically as uh, tests for our our, <laughs> our faith and our loyalty. I really appreciate you coming up with logical responses to this you're like well i mean there's there's tests you know i mean you look man a a b some of it's pass fail i mean i don't know like they're all different types I, of tests i mean really true, all false. of it is right god there's, god makes you do essays there's push-ups there's sit-ups <laughs> you know there's all sorts of them there's how long can you hold your breath i mean there's right. a lot it reminds me of that uh <laughs> reminds me of that one uh scene in uh, full metal jacket where he's Having him do pull-ups, he's like, mm-hmm. you know, one for the one for the core, one for me, one for God. Guess God doesn't get his today. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, but it's interesting um, because it kind of it, puts it, it in is, different yeah, perspectives you, as far said, as like, how do you view God? Is he just sort of like this thing like nature? Is he sort of the archetypal right. sort of God? Like, and if so, how do things? Why is evil allowed to persist based on these different outcomes? Right. Well, I mean, you hear that a lot. You know, if cinema's taught me anything, uh, <laughs> you know, you hear the uh, you Ghost. hear that question posed a lot uh, mm-hmm. in in those. I can't think of a specific example, but you've heard it in movies before, where they're just like, uh, you know, they the someone is uh, well in Daredevil. You know, he had his faith, and then terrible mm-hmm. things happened, and his faith was completely rocked, and he's like, there is no God. You know, like. Mm-hmm. That's that's the you know yeah that 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 people struggle with that all the time and that's how people 
lose and come back into their faith and everything. So it is it is an interesting concept, and it does kind of force you to kind of evaluate how how do you believe, if you believe, uh, how how do you view it? Like in what capacity is it mm-hmm. a you know a concept? Is it a um, physical manifestation? Is it a, an actual thing? Is it yeah? You know, like wh- where where on the spectrum do you sit? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. All right, I got three more here. This next one's a little bit of a palate cleanser. All right. It's called the Pinocchio Paradox. Oh, Pinocchio. If Pinocchio says, my nose is growing, does it grow? (laughs) I love watching your face as this stuff happens. You're like, ah. (laughs) Well, it depends, I guess. (laughs) Why does it depend? (laughs) Well, who's he with? Uh, Dick jokes. Uh, I would uh, let's see. If, does if he says my nose is growing, does it grow? I'd say it starts to grow, but then it stops because it's like, oh wait, no, he was telling the truth. I think he has the ability to confuse his nose. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> his nose is like he's about to wait. No, he's not. I'm not growing. Is, I'm gonna. Oh, now I'm growing. So he's telling the truth now. Yeah. It's like, my nose is growing. It's not, oh, wait, it's growing. Oh, it's true. Uh, oh. <laughs> Joke's on. You nose. Take that nose, yeah. you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, this next one I think is going to be a real real good one. These last two I feel like are heavy hitters. All right, let's 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 uh, let's knock them out here. This next one's called the Paradox of Hedonism, oh also known as the Pleasure Paradox. Also known as Doug's Life. Also known as... <laughs> As Doug's sad life. If you pursue happiness, you become miserable. If you pursue something else, you will become happy. Let's start there. What are your thoughts? If you pursue happiness, you become miserable. If you pursue something else, you will become happy. Since I don't think... So then you pursue something else, a byproduct of that is happiness. Since you're not pursuing happiness, since that's not the main pursuit... I say you're good. Correct. God damn, man. You nailed that right on the head. Boom. Because a lot of people think that if you strictly pursue happiness, you do something for the sake of happiness, you will be miserable. But if you pursue something, happiness is a byproduct of that. Right. Yeah. Now, that's exactly it. Yeah. Because I mean, I think that's because <clears throat> people say do do what makes I guess when people say do what makes you happy in that in that phrasing of that to me i hear do something that causes happiness to follow so yes. it's it's not necessarily the pursuit of straight happy like i'm intending to find the the physical manifestation of what is happy it's just mm-hmm. do something uh and happiness follows it and then like yeah like the or um yeah do something that makes you happy to me that is that means do something that causes the byproduct of happiness so Viktor Frankl, who's an Austrian neur- neurologist and psychologist, wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in it, he wrote, happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue, and it only does so as the intended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than themselves. The more a man tries to demonstrate his sexual potency or a woman her ability to experience orgasm, the less they are able to succeed. Pleasure is and must remain a side effect or a byproduct and is destroyed and spoiled to the degree to which it is made a goal in, in it by itself. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's really which interesting. Which I kind of 
I kind of like really agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's. I mean, the best. I always like for me the best stuff happens accidentally. Like you just mm-hmm. wander into something, you're just like, my god, that was a fun. I didn't realize that was going to be that fun. You know, whatever experience it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be something along those lines. But like, you know, it's just the 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 most fun things are what you when you're not expecting it to hit. A hundred percent. It's yeah. kind of like people that you know. I was at this point one point in my life where I was like. I'm going to go find a girlfriend and I'm going to find a girlfriend and that's going to make me happy. And it's like, right. Yeah. If you're happiness, can't be the end goal. Right. Happiness has to be a byproduct of, of what you're doing. It's kind of like almost, it's like forcing a joke. You want to be funny, but you're forcing it. And in doing so, it's not funny. Absolutely. But a lot of times, some of the funniest things happen organically. And, you know, you think of some of the times you laugh the hardest, Right. It's because you weren't expecting something to be funny. Because it hits out of left field. Yes. Or it's it's the happiness you have when you're hanging out with your friends, doing silly shit, playing a board Absolutely. game or something, and someone says something, and you're like, oh, my God, this is so great. I'm so happy. Like, right now, you know, the intention wasn't necessarily to, we're going to play this board game because we want to be happy. It's, I want to hang out with my friends, and in doing so, happiness is a side product of that. Or like, Absol- I need to absolutely. buy this car because if I buy this car, then I'll be happy. Right. And in most cases, it's like people are like, oh, I need to be famous and make money, and then I'll be happy. It's like, nah, yeah. that's not how that works. And I and I've, I I fall into that so frequently, and I have to keep remind. I'm constantly having to remind myself that it's not the pursuit of the thing. Again, it, it's. Uh, it goes back to it's not the it's about the journey, not the destination. Yes. So like if you're trying to find that thing that once I once I hit this, everything will be this. Or once mm-hmm. I do that, everything will then be blank. That that's never gonna happen. Like it's you find that happiness or things become that thing you're looking for once you just kind of back into it. Like you randomly like you 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 start to go towards there and in the journey to get to that happiness or to get to that yes. goal. That's where everything. That's where all the. That's where all the nougat is. The caramely good. Well, it's like nougat. any movie or any story you've ever heard. The journey is what makes up the movie. You Absolutely. Know, the, end, the end goal. It's you know. I think of Lord of the Rings as the top thing. Frodo's trying to get the ring to Mount Doom. You know, right. and it's like, but the journey that everything that happens in between is full of you know struggle, friendship, camaraderie, fellowship, like all that stuff. You see these characters grow and become something greater than when they were when they started, and that's you know. That's what I think of when I think of all that sort of stuff. I mean, Jesus, after watching the Avengers and then just watching, you know, Infinity War, I'm like, God, look how far these guys have come. Right. <laughs> so right, much exactly. has happened. It's crazy. Because if you didn't have stuff. the journey, it would be fade in, roll credits. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, there's a website a long time ago that gave like really abbreviated versions of classic novels. And one of them uh-huh. was Huckleberry Finn. It's like, he got on a raft. He came home. I love it. I love it. That's I was like, hysterical. Yep, yep. That's that sums it up. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, what's yeah. your last one so, you got? Last one's called The Violinist Dilemma. So, Justin, you find yourself in bed with an unconscious violinist, per usual, who I mean, has a tube connected to your body. I know that stops you short in mid-sentence. The Society of Music Lovers has requested you keep the violinist alive by staying there for nine months. Considering the fact you are put in the situation without your consent, would it be ethical for you to unplug the violinist? 
So the tube is what? Because it sounds very umbilical cordish to me. Like, is mm. the t- am I am I mothering the violinist? The violinist apparently needs to be connected to you for nine months to stay alive. Mm. That's an odd amount of time. Oddly specific amount of time. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is a thin veil <laughs> for a common debate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, but it's an interesting perspective on it, though, right? It is, yeah. If, if you look um, at it from this way, you, you 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 find yourself in a bed with an unconscious violinist who has a tube connected to your body. The Society of Music Lovers, I love that, has requested you keep the violinist alive by staying there for nine months. Considering the fact you are put in the situation without your consent, which we talked about earlier, was really important. Would right. it be ethical for you to unplug the violinist? So, uh, if I've learned anything from cinema. Um, <laughs> If cinema has taught me anything. Uh, you know, I. Uh, it's really it, that's interesting because it changes the it changes the the dynamic when you think of it in in the capacity of uh, kind of how it's met what it, what it's alluding to. I mm-hmm. look. I'm gonna have to still take my my initial stance and guys. Here we go. We're getting political. Um, here we go. It's not my cons- I didn't consent to this. Unplug. Mm-hmm. I I you know here's the other thing. What am I? Am I? What am I doing? Uh, is this uh, like? Am I set for nine months? Like, do I have any? Do I have any appointments? <laughs> do I need to be at. Or um, can I just? Uh, can I hang out? What, what, how would that affect you? How, how would that affect your? Decision? Well, I mean, look. If it's if the violinist is a good conversationalist, uh, you know, and we we hit it off. As far off. as I understand, the violinist is unconscious for the whole nine months. Oh, unconscious? Yeah. No. <laughs> Unplug. If it was if 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 I wasn't if it was not my choice if I uh, if I woke up one day and uh, like I went I was like hey, I'm gonna go out I went to uh, you know Tavern on Rush and a nice steak and uh, you know I came I went and saw a movie and then I came home and I uh, went to bed I was like that was a nice night I had a good night and uh, you know maybe I watched an episode of Parks and Rec and then I went to bed I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up and I was in my bed and I was attached to a violinist who was unconscious. And the what is it? The Society for Music Appreciators, the Society of Music Lovers. Sounds like a bunch of douchebags. Uh, Society of Music Lovers, uh, you know, was standing over my bed. Many questions to start out with, but mm-hmm. ultimately, I would say, unplug me from this and get the fuck out of my apartment. They're like, I'm sorry, we're requesting that you stay here for nine months to yeah, keep well, the violence alive, and I'm requesting that you guys go shove your heads up your asses because no, ain't gonna happen. All right. Let me throw a wrench in here. How would you feel if this was a trombonist as opposed to a violinist? Does that oh, change I, your decision? Yes, and let me tell you why. <laughs> if I've learned anything from cinema. if I And I, that's an honest <laughs> statement. If I've learned anything from cinema, it's that Donald Duck Dunn, the trombonist for the Blues Brothers. No, sorry, that was the bass player. Um, Dumbass. Yeah. Look, trombonists are a whole different breed. So, of course, <laughs> of course, I'm going to let the trombonist feed off me for nine months. No, absolutely not. Pull it. Um, what about you? It, it's it's amazing when you throw the consent stuff in there. With absolutely, it. because it's like you just wake up and this guy's attached. And this and this group of people is like, hey, we really want this person to survive. So, is it cool if you hang out here in this room for nine months? Yeah. With this unconscious person so they can survive. And really what it boils down to is like, again, um, valuing life. You know, do you value uh, this person's life? 
is that is your consent greater than this person's life? And there's obviously so many qualifying things that go into it because I, one of the stupid ones I got to, I'm like, well, how good is he? Is he a real piece of shit? Is he is he an average violinist? Because who gives a shit? How right. do you get unconscious? What happened to him? Tell me more about the story. Convince me. Right, but at the exactly. core level, none of that shit matters, right? None of that stuff should matter. Based on some of the philosophy stuff we've talked about before is... I mean, yes and no. Is I this mean, life valuable? Should... And by pulling out, by by disconnecting, you are effectively killing this person. Yeah, I mean, but the thing, again, yes, I, I agree that it, all that stuff shouldn't matter, but it does. I mean, everything... I, I don't think I don't think life can be that black and white. I think life is 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 a uh, it's a. Are you saying Sith shouldn't deal in absolutes? Is that what you're saying? Life is a rainbow of shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're welcome. That put that on a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only Sith deal in absolutes, Doug. That's what I'm saying. I'm sticking yeah. to it. Yeah, I I mean, it's an interesting one because you know obviously you could take this to. Someone was, uh, you know, sexually assaulted, and all of a sudden they have a baby inside of them, and it's like they're like, "No, I don't want to keep this baby." We're like, "No, you have to." This is you an abortion question. Baby. Yeah, yeah, fella. Wait, you tricked me. Uh uh-uh. uh. Mm mm. <laughs> no, sorry to spoil your day, buddy, but this is how it's going down. Yeah, no, of course. But, I, I, but of it's course so interesting. When, of course, that's what it's. It's so interesting to, yeah. when you just repurpose it slightly. Right, and you're like, oh wow, it, it puts a completely different spin on it, and sure. um, I'm a, sh- you know, I consider myself pro-choice, but in this such, in this scenario, I lean a little more towards pro-life, which I'm like, well, I mean, you just, I mean, could I, could I just disconnect from this person? I mean, I don't know, I don't know. Like it's it's interesting. It puts it in a brand new perspective sure. of boiling it down to the core of moral obligation and things like that. It's, it's very interesting. Right. I mean, it really boils down to how good is this individual at playing the goddamn violin? Because they better be fucking, they better be the, you know, the goddamn, for some reason, Freddie Mercury is the only person I can think of, the Freddie Mercury of the violinist world. <laughs> Hendrix, that's what I was looking for, Jimi Hendrix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah, no, uh, I was going to go down to... Um, um, this guy better be the Nickelback of the violinists. You know what <laughs> I mean? This guy better be the fucking Charlie Daniels of violinists. Yes. He's a fiddle player, but same cool. difference. Fiddle this. Yeah, fiddle I said me it. This. Fucking send me, send me your hate mail. Yeah, <laughs> violinists and fiddle players, no difference. Same fucking thing. Might as well just throw in ukuleles while you're at it. Doug, that is terribly <laughs> offensive. <laughs> you and you, you, if it was a ukulele player, I'd let him die. I'd punch him in the face and then I'd pull out the tube. You've chosen your bed, now you lie in it. <laughs> I'd punch him in the face, then I'd pull the tube. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. If a ukulele player and a violinist should square off face-to-face in a ring of death. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'd have to, you know, consider this to be a throwdown. A throwdown! And, and the violinist would win, hands down. The violinist would win? Hands down. Yeah, well, they've I got mean, a bow, man. They've got dual wielding. That's it. I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, what does the uke player got? A tiny little instrument? No, the violinist has got two, two things. That's um, right. All right. So, in honor of uh, in honor of the holiday that just passed us, uh, I think it would be fun to do a throwdown between um, the yin and the yang, if you will. Mm-hmm. We're doing uh, we're doing Santa Claus, good old Saint Nicholas. Versus counterpart, Krampus. 
All right, so I just want to ask a quick question here. So prior, <laughs> you told us, you told me, Mike, off mic, that you were planning on like you know you had something you were looking up and you were looking up like attributes, abilities, and characteristics. Were these are people you were looking up stuff for? Absolutely. So you went to like what Marvel.com? You're like, tell me the attributes of Santa Claus versus Krampus. No, because on on most superhero entries in Wikipedia, there's a section called powers and abilities. So I went to Santa Claus's Wikipedia entry. No powers and abilities. <laughs> I was I'm sorely disappointed. All right. He's generally depicted as a portly, jolly, white bearded man, sometimes with spectacles, wearing a red coat with white fur collar and cuffs, white fur cuffed red trousers. And a red hat with white fur and black leather belt and boots who carries a big bag full of gifts for children. Krampus, conversely, <clears throat> is described is an anthropomorphic figure described as half goat, half demon. Mm-hmm. Boom. The end? The end. That's all you get for him. Uh, what, yeah, where are his Christmas powers? Season, he punishes children who, has mis- who have misbehaved. Um... I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'd have to go through and read. Uh, let's see. Although Krampus appears in many variations, most... I think he kidnaps children, doesn't he? But does does he have, like, teleportation abilities? Or? There's a 1900s greeting card. It's greetings from Krampus. This thing is so disturbing. I've got to send this to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys, look up Krampus on uh, Wikipedia and then scroll down until the appearance section. And uh, I want... I want this greeting card next Christmas. I want someone mm-hmm. to send me this greeting card. Um, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, I mean, Santa can summon his reindeer. You know what I mean? He well, can. Th- that's the that's the thing. They're both magical. Santa's got a whole friggin' uh, herd of reindeer. Dude, behind him. you know, one of those kids asks for a gun as a present. He can just pull that right out of his bag and shoot Krampus right 100%. in the fucking face. Just bam. Doug, Santa's American. All right, we That's know he's goddamn got right he is. Bag. Of course he does. <laughs> Even if he wasn't, he's going to give the kid the good kids what they ask for. So, right. I mean, uh, he's going to pull some fucking weapons out of there and just beat the shit out of them. So the Krampus carries chains. Sometimes he swats children with <laughs> uh, he with with bundles of birch branches. Was this guy a teacher down in southern Missouri or something? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, sometimes he is a, a a bag strapped to his back as well, uh, so he can cart off evil children for drowning, eating, or transporting to hell. <coughs> I'm All still right, so get he's got Santa. a he's got a big bag that's deep enough to, to hold bodies, but I mean, um, I feel like uh, there's there's not a lot of magic there other than he's just evil and he steals kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. I feel like, I, look, they, while they both undoubtedly have some sort of ability, they, they both have some sort of magical ability, I got to give it to Santa just just for the sheer fact that you know Santa's a little off. Oh, 100%. And Santa, for the for the record, ain't taking no shit off Krampus. He's like, look, you know, I, I get the feeling that Santa doesn't really want the naughty kids to go to hell. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he, well, he finds the good in everybody. And if, if in his mind, he's like, look, if kid's bad, I'm just not going to give him what they ask for. You know, he's a very reasonable right, absolutely. Uh, creature. Well, here's Krampus the other thing. is like, oh, they're bad. I'll take them down to hell. And here's it's like, what? Thing. Here's the other thing, too, is that who do you think put Krampus on the naughty list to begin with? Right. Yeah, where'd Krampus Santa. come from? Right. 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 So, yeah, I just, again, the fact that Santa could snap his fingers, probably summon his reindeer 
to just you know beat that ass, and then you got just a bag. He can pull out whatever the fuck he wants. And right. He's gonna be like, mm, I know what this kid wanted a machete. Here we go. Let's do this. Like, <laughs> Here we go. You know, he could probably pull up a fucking rocket launcher. You know what I mean? Like just whatever he wants. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like we got to go Santa for the win on this one. Hundred percent Santa for the win. Santa for the win. Woo 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 woo. Well, that was fun. Uh, wow, that was so great. So, gang, you really got to weigh in on this. Uh, let us know what do you think about these uh, thought experiments and paradoxes. You know, uh, weigh in. Let us know. Reach yeah. out to us. But before we do that, Justin, you got anything you want to promote? Uh, yeah, I did. I cannot remember if I've recommended. I'm gonna go back through a couple things because I can't remember if I did recommend. I know I recommended uh, Mrs. Maisel, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two. Mm-hmm. I think I recommended that. Yes, you did. Okay, good. Yeah. Go check that out. Amazon Prime. Uh, Jack Ryan, I'm pretty sure I recommended that too. You also did that, yeah. Still recommending that. Um, The Night Manager is something that came out a couple years ago, and it stars um, Tom Hiddleston and Hugh Laurie, Mm -hmm. and uh, I only watched a couple episodes when it initially came out, and I've always meant to go back, and now it's on Prime. Definitely, uh, I'm rewatching it. It's not perfect, but it's very entertaining. I would say definitely go check it out. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything super oh, new. Oh, but. sorry. Ellen Ellen DeGeneres has a special ah, on yes. uh, Netflix. It is absolutely amazing. My uh, my wife Beth absolutely loves it, and uh, she turned me on to it. And it is I have I have to say it is spectacularly done. Do not nice. watch the Q and A session afterward. It's weird and very awkward. <laughs> um. Uh, Steam currently has a sale for video games uh, with ah. their winter holiday sale. And I bought a game called Seven Days to Die All right. uh, for a cool $8. Ooh, uh, cool I really $8. recommend it. it may, I, I like to describe it as Minecraft with zombies. Um, and essentially, you, you start and you're basically in your underwear and you have to scavenge for stuff. You have to build uh, your own little base and you basically have to survive uh, and every seven days, a giant massive horde comes to murder you, and you have to be able to survive it. And each, each it. time it comes, it gets it gets uh, uh, crazier and crazier. And it's a very like giant map, is a massive map, and it's really very interesting. I've very much enjoyed it. I sucked right out of the gate. I was like, man, this game fucking sucks. And then I read a little bit. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try it again. And I was like, been doing better on it. So very fun. Seven days to die. That sounds that that sounds very stressful and very fun. Yeah. I was very much obsessed with it, so it's been a very fun <laughs> couple of days. So check that out. Also, gang, you can find us on Facebook. Look for our page there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at MindGap Podcast. And shout out to us, man. Uh, we're also you can find us on uh, our uh, email us at mindgappodcast at gmail Shoot us an email. Uh, let us know what you think about this stuff. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts on Santa versus Krampus, let us know. Uh, anything you'd love to recommend us, uh, our, our, our fun Australian friend Jared has always recommended some good stuff to us, so we appreciate his his, his recommendations for things, and let us know. And that being said, Justin also exists digitally as well. That's right. If you want to find me, uh, holler at me, let me know uh, your thoughts. It's at uh, uh, Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, while you're in the online realm, check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify and on Google Podcasts, so you can subscribe to us, review us, share us around, do all the things we always ask you to do and that we love when you do. And then two east slash mind gap and two east slash the best bar podcast ever is the other podcast I do with Milos. Uh, pretty much uh, when it comes out, it comes out on Mondays. Uh, that's when it comes out. And it's about the bar industry and about the food and beverage industry, and it's a fun time had by all. 
And uh, I know I keep saying it uh, because uh, the Christmas uh, holiday season got a little um, busy as it does, but uh, Two Weeks Day does have some fun stuff coming out. So just keep an eye on our social medias, our YouTube page, our website, and uh, we've got some fun things coming up in 2019. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year for you. New year, new me, Doug. Hashtag new year, new me. Boy, can't wait till our next episode so we can shit all over New Year's resolutions again. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Hope you all had an awesome holiday, and we'll see you next time on Mind Gap. Mind Gap Podcast.